0: The Cincinnati Bengals have officially collected their first win of the 2019 regular season. Hey everyone, it's Anthony Kazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope you are doing well on this Sunday afternoon. It's been nearly a full calendar year since the Cincinnati Bengals have won a football game. The last time they did so was on December 16th, 2018 against the Oakland Raiders and almost a year later, 50 weeks later, I guess. <laughs> they collect their first win of 2019 um, and beat the Jets. Beat the Jets pretty handily, 22-6. to the, When the Bengals beat the Raiders last year in their last win, uh, they, they handled them pretty well in that game as well. So uh, the, at least the last two wins have been relatively decisive by the Cincinnati Bengals. Francisco Rodriguez says, finally from Mexico, Jude. Hola, Francisco. Uh, thanks for tuning in, man. That's awesome. You're caught, you're joining us from Mexico. Um, you know, there there is a contingent of Bengals fans that will automatically feel not great about the team winning because obviously it affects their draft status. I'm going to tell you though, you didn't want this team to go winless. Yeah, you still you still want them to get that number one overall pick, likely to use it on a Joe Burrow. Some of you want them want them to use him on, on Chase Young, whatever. You don't want this team to go winless. There are veterans that are playing um, with a high level of effort still. If you if you looked at this game today, almost every one of their, their better players, their veteran guys, their highest paid guys played very well. Andy Dalton played very well. Very easily could have had three touchdown passes instead of just one. Two drops by tight ends in the red zone. Killed, uh, you know, killed his opportunities there. You know, you look at Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. Geno Atkins had uh, a handful of tackles. A lot of pressures. Carlos Dunlap, three sacks, was everywhere today. Um, Joe Mixon, not great in the stat line per se, but the effort level, you you cannot question that guy's effort level at all this year. So there are things to feel good about, even though, even for some of you who are not wanting a Cincinnati Bengals win because of draft positioning. By the way, speaking of that, though the Bengals won and they are now 1-11, they still hold the inside track to the number one overall pick. The New York Giants lost... This week, they got stomped at home by the Green Bay Packers. They are two and ten and sit right behind Cincinnati. They picked Daniel Jones as their quarterback last year, number six overall, though. So, if the order holds out, or if there's maybe a tie there or whatever, um, you know, the Giants aren't likely to pick a quarterback. They may, if they get ahead of the Bengals in draft order, there may be a trade out type of situation. But, um, you know, for the most part, you know Cincinnati has that inside track at one and eleven. Giants uh, lost, excuse me, as I as I mentioned. And then you had both the Redskins and the Dolphins winning today. Kind of some unlikely wins. The Dolphins beat the Eagles at home, and the Redskins beat Carolina in Carolina. So both of those the teams now are three and nine, and they you know still have a two game gap behind the Bengals. And both of those are threats to potentially take a quarterback. So um, you know, Cincinnati Bengals win, but they don't lose any ground really in draft positioning. So you have to kind of feel good about how things played out for them this week. Uh, Andrew Humphrey, I'm so happy. I'm crying. Good uh, good day, day baby. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to judge anyone's reaction, but uh, like I said, it's been a year. So, um, you know, if you want to be emotional about it, go ahead. If you want to be emotional about it, go ahead. The Cincinnati Bengals dominated nearly every facet of the game. They had four sacks in the game, three by Carlos Dunlap, numerous pressures. Um, Didn't create any turnovers, surprisingly, but um, really just swarmed the passing game. Did not let Sam Darnold do anything under center. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, his damage was limited as the Cincinnati Bengals defense really played very well. Darquez Denard, batted a few passes away. Um, You know, it was just a a really, really good day by the Cincinnati Bengals' defense. I think you can also attribute this win greatly to the special teams unit. Kevin Huber had a great day punting the football. I think he had three punts inside, the 21 of which landed at the Jets' two-yard line. A couple of plays later, Andrew Brown gets a pressure, and it causes a safety because of a holding call in the end zone, and that really kind of, it led to five total points, two for the safety. The Bengals got the ball and then drove down a little bit, got a field goal. Um, so five total points, but really kind of eight-up clock, just momentum-wise really turned the game. So special teams, a big day. Brandon Wilson had a couple nice returns. Randy Bullock did miss a 48-yard field goal. Shocking, I know, but he also had two other field goals, one of which was from 46 yards out. So did hit one other relatively deep field goal. But, um, you know, I, I get it, windy day, not great weather, but these are the types of kicks you got to have kickers make uh, in the NFL. And really that's that's a point of emphasis I think the Bengals need to look at in the offseason is the kicking game. Randy Bullock's had a decent year overall for the Bengals. But, look, that when you look at kickers and when you look at quarterbacks and you're an AFC North team – you have to kind of evaluate those players a little differently than a lot of other teams in the NFL. You play in an outdoor stadium in poor weather. You play six games against very tough opponents, all in outdoor stadiums, usually in bad weather, especially as the year goes on. You need a guy with a big leg that can kick deep field goals and in not great weather circumstances. And you need a quarterback with a strong enough arm to handle wind, rain, All that stuff, all of the elements. So these are things that the Cincinnati Bengals, as they make their offseason evaluations and they look at those two positions specifically, you got to find you got to identify guys that can really cut through the weather issues, cut through the elements, um, because that's that comprises, like I said, you know, those those divisional games comprise six of, of the contest, basically more than a third of the, the total contest on the year. And then you've got your own, you know, your own games, you're hosting. So it, you gotta, you gotta be able to, to get points from your kicker and you gotta be able to have a quarterback that can, you know, get through the elements and, and play productive football. Uh, so that's gotta be in the equation this off season. Speaking of quarterback play and in the elements, Andy Dalton, as I mentioned, played pretty well. Uh, this was probably one of his better performances Really, um, and maybe it's maybe we say this because it, he sat the last three games and we saw abysmal quarterback play in the three games that he sat, but it seems like this was one of his more crisp performances really since the 2015 season. As I mentioned, he could have had three touchdowns today, two egregious drops, by, especially the one by C.J. Uzama, but another that Tyler Eifert probably eight or nine times out of ten catches in the end zone, contested ball, tough catch, but we've seen him make much more difficult plays than that. Um, so, you know, a little bit tough there, Dalton could have had three touchdowns. Luckily the Bengals capitalized on one of those opportunities, got a touchdown on the other, they got a field goal. Uh, so, you know, really didn't, you know, didn't cost them all that much, but statistically speaking could have been a much better day from Andy Dalton. Um, had those plays been made by his, by his receivers there. He and Tyler Boyd seemed to be clicking well. Um, Tyler Boyd, uh, had a, had a nice day. Um, you know, there was the fir- very first play of the game, uh, Dalton sailed, uh, the very first pass play of the game, Dalton sailed one over Tyler Boyd that, uh, could have been a big play down the seam. And you kind of thought, oh boy, is this, is this kind of signs of things to come? But Dalton settled in, was kind of ripping the ball around. He, he threw some into some tight windows, um, you know, guys like, uh, Alden Tate, Build him out of some situations. So you got to like that. Uh, Tyler Boyd made a nice catch in traffic as uh, f- for that first touchdown. So you got to, you got to like all of that. And uh, Cincinnati, as I mentioned, comes out victorious, 22 to six, really all three phases played pretty well for the Cincinnati Bengals. Really the only big, um, the big issue was just the Randy Bullock missed field goal. And that was from 48 yards in the wind. So, you know, uh, not not terrible there. Cincinnati's offensive line did not play all that well, only 44 yards rushing for Joe Mixon this week. Uh, four yards for Giovanni Bernard. Joe Mixon, nineteen carries, forty-four yards, two point three yard per carry average. So not great there. Andy Dalton, twenty-two of thirty-seven for two forty-three and the one touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. Um, no one receiving wise really popped out. I, I was talking about Tyler Boyd, five catches, fifty-nine yards on ten targets. So you know, uh, got got to tighten that one up a little bit. Alvin Tate. Four catches, uh, team leading sixty-six yards on seven targets. Um, CJ Uzama did have five catches for fifty-one yards, but that one drop really, um, really kind of put a, a, a uh, not a great uh, amar on his uh, on his day there. So, um, don't like that. Kevin Huber, as I mentioned, five punts. 47.6 yard per per punt average, and three, as I've said before, three of those were inside the 20-yard line. Big day from him. So, all, all in all, each unit did stuff, did did things to help the Bengals win. And uh, really kind of a team effort. You gotta feel good for Zach Taylor for everything he's been through, both inside and outside of his own control, his own decisions, all of that. You have to feel pretty good for him at least to get this one win this team is not going to go winless. It wouldn't be surprising if this team doesn't if this team wins, you know, two or three more games to to close out the season. They're playing with high energy, they're playing with a high level of effort. Andy Dalton's playing, you could tell he's got a lot of passion still and uh, you know, you got to you got to wonder if this is going to be one of those patented late season Bengals runs when they're out of the picture and they, you know, we've seen them do it a, a number of times, a number of times. Uh, we, we would be remiss if we didn't congratulate Andy Dalton on, on passing uh, Ken Anderson as the Bengals team leader in touchdown passes. He's at 198. Um, could have actually, like I mentioned, could have sat at 200 today had those other two been caught, but uh, congratulations to him. I know feelings are mixed on him uh, both this year and really, um, you know, kind of today and his entire career feelings have been mixed on him. But, uh, I mean, basically, if uh, you saw the graphic if you watched the game today in every major statistical category, completion percentage, passing yards, touchdowns, all that stuff. Uh, he's either one or two. He's one or two as a Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. So all time. Um, and take that with what, what you will. You know, some people may scoff at that and say, well, you know, maybe the Bengals – Quarterback history isn't as decorated as many teams. That's true, but there are – I mean, hes he's been a solid quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, and his statistics prove it. Yes, he needs help. Yes, he needs talent around him. But, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks to have suited up for the Cincinnati Bengals, regardless of what's happened this year and regardless of the playoff issues. Statistically speaking, he's up there with Ken Anderson, Boomer, Sison, and Carson Palmer um, as uh, some, of the, some of the better – the best players at the position to ever play for the team I'm seeing uh you know what a day thank god Mike Holbrook what's up Mike finally hell froze over <laughs> uh I'm seeing uh Lou Bowers dead cat bounds I like that um Deborah Shields this is a good question where is his passion been all season I you know I really began to notice a turn in attitude. Um, The defense has really played pretty well over the past three weeks. Now they're playing, they played the jets. They played a beat up Steelers offensive unit and they played the Raiders. The Raiders are real Jekyll and Hyde. So it's hard to really get a gauge on exactly how good things are or how positively things are moving in the direction of 2020 it's easy to point out the passion today because they were winning. They had the lead. They were playing well. Every facet was playing well. Every unit was doing their job for the most part. And you saw the fun they were having today. You saw them going after the passer. You saw them going after the football on defense. You saw Joe Mixon, um, kind of even though running room was was scarce. You saw him go and and celebrate and do his little you know patented first down. Uh, celebration. He was jubilant when he got in the end zone. So uh, it's easy to point all that out today when they finally win and you go, where was the passion? Where's the effort? I, I said this earlier today, the effort level has been there. I, I, that's one thing you have to kind of credit. There've been a couple of, there've been a couple of games here and there where you go, okay, you, you kind of mailed this one in. I think of the second Ravens game in Ryan Finley's first start, especially on defense. Um, I, I think, for portions of when the game got out of control against the 49ers. I think there was some some issues there, but I saw the team in week one, the passion, the effort level, everything was there. I saw them in person in Seattle. I, I, that that wasn't a question there. Um, and I think these last three, four weeks when the Bengals have been in it, um, you've, you've seen some of the passion. You've seen the effort level, especially from – as I mentioned, if, when your high-priced veterans weren't – if they were not playing well, if they were mailing it in, if they were not making plays and not hustling, that would be a big indictment of Zach Taylor and his coaching staff. But that's not – that hasn't been the case. You saw today Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap were the major forces. And it's – by the way, it's not coincidental that those two guys play very well and everyone else behind behind them ends up playing well. When that defensive line goes – the rest of the, the team goes. Sam Hubbard also had a good day today. Andrew Brown up front, not many snaps, but really maximizing his opportunities, getting a handful of pressures. One of which caused that that hold in the end zone for a safety. So the defensive line played very very well today. Um, again, hard to know exactly how good this team can be. How big of steps they these these seemingly better contests, better showings these past few weeks what that means for 2020. And if, you know, if that bodes well in the form of, Hey, this team's close. There was another graphic today. And we've said this on, on our, our program, the Bengals coming into today were tied for the uh, tied for second in the NFL with one possession losses or one possession deciding games this year. They had a number of those at the end of last year. That's why they said, if we're, if you know, if we're healthy, if we're healthy, we think we can win. Well, that that's not the case. Yes, they need to get, they need to get healthy and be more lucky on that front in 2020, but they need to create their own luck. They need to be more aggressive in free agency. They need to get more higher impact, immediate impact guys in the draft to be able to do that. But I don't think this team, the reflection, this team isn't good. Don't get me wrong. This team isn't good. There are holes and issues everywhere. I don't know that they're one in 11 bad Um I don't know that they're maybe worst team in the league bad. I think there's been some luck, there's been some issue, the injury issues, but there's been all kinds of stuff that that has plagued them. Obviously the inexperience on the staff. Um, I think they are one of the worst teams in the league as evidenced by their record, but I don't think they're 1 in 11 bad and I think if they make some right moves, some right decisions at critical areas next year. They spend a little more money than they're than they're used to in free agency, and they hit a on at least a couple of their high picks this next year. I think that that's going to go a long way going forward. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We do these uh, post game. Analyses after every game. So, thank you for joining us. We started a little later today because uh, our our provider Streamyard was uh, having some issues, but we were able to to make it work and and join you a little bit a little bit after the game. Um, you can uh, check us out after every game, as I mentioned, or our orange and black insider podcast is on usually recorded on Wednesday evenings. It will be Tuesday evening for those of you interested this week, just due to some scheduling stuff, but uh, check that show out. We also do listener questions where we answer your questions on the air. Like I said, we do the post game stuff and then there are a couple of other shows as well that are on the Cincy jungle podcast late. So join us live on Cincy jungles, Facebook page on the orange and black insider, YouTube channel, or, if you are a, uh, a podcast downloader, get the show and the slate of shows really through a variety of different channels and uh, podcast providers. We're on most, if not all major ones. So check us out. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work Bengals and their 22 to six win against the Jets. You know, I, I, I understand. Uh, I understand some of these, uh, some of these sentiments, bad, you know, national football legend, NFL, bad thing. Um, you are your record, Keith Thompson. Fair. That's fair. Uh, You know, the Bengals suck. I mean, I see. I'm seeing all this stuff. I I, I get it. I, I mean, but it, you've spent a year complaining. I mean, at least for a couple of hours, maybe enjoy a, enjoy a win that you haven't savored since last year. I mean, uh, they didn't they didn't fall back in draft positioning. They stayed put. They still have the number one pick for all of you people that want Joe Burrow or Chase Young. They're still in line to get one of those guys, and their pick of those guys. So it's not, it hasn't been a good year, guys. I'm not making excuses for them. I I don't think that this team is one in 11 bad as we predicted this summer and very unwisely predicted this team. We felt meeting me and my co-host John Sheeran on our show, we felt that this team, you know, really could have been not so great, maybe in the five, six win range or surprise some people, maybe get to that nine win range. Um, after week one, we kind of when they lose to Seattle in Seattle by a point, you kind of felt like, well, hey, this team might be surprising some people this year. You felt pretty good about things, and then things snowballed out of control. They kept losing people, and the people that they kept playing really weren't playing very well. So there are a lot of holes. Don't get me wrong; there are a lot of holes to fit to to be fixed this off season. I, I would um, I would not expect this to be the team's only win the rest of the way, though. I think that they're going to play hard to try and get some momentum into 2020 Um, that may not make a lot of fans happy because of the draft slotting and all of that. They don't care about that as much as you do. I'm going to tell you that this, the the guys in that locker room that are under contract and getting paid, they do not, they're, they're not saying we're going to lose just, just so we can get Joe Burrow. That's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about going out there, playing hard, getting their money and, and, thinking about 2019. They're not really thinking about 2020. Maybe the coaches and ownership have an eye on 2020, but not the players. I'm telling you. Um, I saw someone ask, uh, I, I got a, uh, uh, thanks Ricky for the Ricky Paul, for the compliment there. I saw a question. uh Oh, this is good from Marquise Keys. That's right. The guy on the roof, the, the Bengals fan on the roof, he can finally leave his roof on December 1st. He can come down. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me about that. That's hilarious. Uh he could he can come down from off the roof. And join his family and not have to do that. His strike is over. Uh, we'll see if he maintains his <laughs> his word there. Uh, thanks for reminding me about that. That's pretty funny. Someone someone asked about, though, uh, do you think they tag AJ Green? I think that's the move you make. I think that's the move you make. Because then if you don't tag AJ, I, that doesn't mean tag and don't extend him long term. But you got to tag him. Because then you tag him and you're able to either trade him to someone else or you tag him and you get him you keep him long term. So you have to do that. If your plan was to keep AJ Green for either Andy Dalton in 2020 or a new quarterback in 2020, you have to keep you didn't trade him at the deadline. So you have to get him under a form of a contract to be able to either trade him in the spring or to extend him long term to be kind of, hey, finish your career with us, maybe with a new quarterback, maybe in, a, in another bridge year with Andy Dalton. Finish your career with us. We'll pay you money. Let's do it that way. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, since they did not d- deal him at the trade deadline, they stood steadfast in that. They cannot afford to lose A.J. Green in an outright free agency battle. They need they need to have hang on to him and then either trade him or hang on to him long term. Uh, that would be a very bad look if the Bengals did not deal him for anything before the trade deadline this year and then sit on them and don't play them. Don't end up paying him. And then they lose him probably to somebody the the either a division rival or somebody. So that is not what you want to do. I think the Bengals should at a minimum franchise, Andy Dalton, I mean, excuse me, AJ green do not franchise Andy Dalton. Um, they should franchise tag AJ Green, and then you figure out, okay, will somebody be be willing to give up a first-round pick for a franchise to get a franchise-tagged guy? Um, even even the lesser-used transition tag may be a way to go, but I, I would still do the fran- franchise tag uh, if you're unable to get a, a long-term deal in place. And then you figure out whether you want to get the long-term deal or you trade them trade down the road, and uh, you know, get something for him. You have to get something for him if you're not going to hang on to him long term. That you just have to. Um, you'd like to. Uh, you'd like to get. You know, you'd like to have him here to potentially and be the AJ Green of old. Especially if you're going to go in the Joe Burrow direction, the Tua direction, Justin Herbert, whoever. A new quarterback having a veteran wide receiver that really can do it all when he's healthy, you'd like to have that guy around. Um, You'd also like to have him around because he's got good rapport with Andy Dalton. If Andy Dalton is in the plans for a bridge year in 2020, I don't know if that's the case, but we'll see in a few short months. Um, But my, my point being, you know, you've got a veteran receiver. The, The other thing with that is if you don't, if you don't keep AJ green, you've got now another hole to fill a big hole to fill at another position and a position that directly affects potentially a new quarterback, usually a rookie receiver and rookie quarterback thrown out there day one. That doesn't always lead to great results. Um, There's a lot of miscommunication. They're still both learning the playbook. You want to have some veteran guys that leaves you with John Ross, a guy who is an explosive player, but is often injured. You've got Tyler Boyd and then you've got Auden Tate and a couple of other guys that are just, there um you lose aj green that's that's a big loss and and especially if you are unable to get a a big draft pick for him and it just you know you've you've already got to address a number of positions on the offensive line but you got to address quarterback you now got to address wide receiver if you lose aj green it's just kind of a lot especially if you're trying to turn things around quickly which i know the cincinnati Bengals are uh I see. I saw this one. This Joseph stop. Uh, AJ Green's a quitter. Just admitted. I'm not. I'm never going to admit that. Um, I think he is making a business decision. But I think that I, I, I am not going to call him a quitter. Um, so, sorry. I, I just. If he's not ready to play, he's not ready to play. I think. I think maybe he would be more inclined to return to the lineup if the Bengals were fighting for a playoff spot, a division lead, that sort of thing. Maybe he would be more inclined to push it. Um, but he's got to look out for himself. He wants to play in the league a, a few more years, and every time the Bengals are giving him a long leash and saying, you know, when you're ready, we're ready. So you do what you need to do. And I think also by the way, that nobody's talking about with how the Bengals and A.J. Green are handling this situation. This is potentially building collateral in the Bengals corner, like emotional collateral, if you want to call it that. When it comes time to talk about contracts and discuss this this negotiation with A.J. Green in this forthcoming contract, the fact that the Bengals are like, hey, A.J., do what you got to do. You know, you don't want to play right now. You don't feel like you're ready. We're not going to push you. We already saw what happened with that with Cordy Glenn. We saw the results of that, and that didn't end well. Luckily, he's come back and played, okay? This is a very important player for the Cincinnati Bengals, and one that they want to potentially lock up long-term. A.J. Green has expressed the desire to come back, if the Bengals try and push him in a season where they have one win, two wins with only a couple of games remaining, and he's not a hundred percent, he goes back out there, hurts it again. Th- that creates a terrible situation and may ruin any kind of goodwill from both sides. If the Bengals are pushing him to play when he's not ready to play. So you have to keep that into it, it, This is a long-term play for AJ Green. This is not, get back out there and trying to get us two more wins in a season where we may win three or four games total. You want to see him play and you want to make sure he's healthy enough to give him a big contract, but he is a guy, you know what he's got when he's been, when he's out there and healthy. If the Bengals are looking to keep on hanging on to him long-term, let him heal up. Don't pressure him. And that's I think going to build some, some, goodwill between the parties as the offseason negotiations go forward. But let's, uh, we'll close up here just in a couple of minutes, but let's close up talking it once again, a little bit recapping the game. The Bengals beat the Jets for their first win of the season, 22 to six, really dominated every single facet of the game. They pressured the quarterback. Well, they actually protected Andy Dalton relatively well. Uh, You know, there wasn't, you know, a ton of pressure, um, Andy Dalton did not have the the same run game, though, that uh, Ryan Finley was privy to in the previous three starts. As I mentioned, just 40, uh, really 44 yards net rushing. Um, Andy Dalton had minus four yards, Giovanni Bernard four yards, and Joe Mixon 44 yards. Um, you know, Mixon had, was averaging... About 93 yards the past three games. So, uh, you know, not definitely not the same balance, but Andy Dalton was throwing the ball relatively well, uh, was efficient, and uh, the, the team comes out with a win. Special teams played really well, especially uh, aside from one missed field goal from Randy Bullock. Um, defense played pretty well. William Jackson got victimized a little bit. Some of that was in garbage time, but did allow Robbie Anderson to have a hundred yard game on him, which was kind of rare. William Jackson has quietly played pretty well. Um, you know, limited completion percentages and yards and all of that. So uh, a little bit of an off day for him, but overall a really good day by the defense Four sacks, um, you know, pressured Darnold a, a ton of times and uh, you know, just kind of set the tone for the day and set it pretty early. Um, aside from letting up that opening drive field goal, um, they really clamped down on things. Good point by Lou Bowers. Uh, you know, Mixon did have a big, I think it was a 23 or so yard run that was called back on a, on a holding call. That really wasn't, wasn't a hold on, on tape, but, um, so his stats would have looked a little better there. Um, Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Robert Obrecht here says, uh, what does it prove talking about AJ green? If he comes back and plays, he's worth 18 to 19 million. Um, Yeah. I I mean, to me, I I just, well, I I think that the the situation really wasn't handled very well in terms of assessing the injury. Um, You know, I, I think you could have shelved him early on, and maybe gone out and got a veteran wide receiver on the free agent market, kind of a, a Brandon LaFell type, you know, one of those guys where you can kind of, hey, we've got a veteran guy. We've got some depth. I know you want to see what you've got from A.J. Green, but obviously as weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks go on, you would, get, you would kind of think at the point that they were maybe benching Andy Dalton, maybe you say, you know what, A.J., just heal up. Let's talk contract. We'll get another guy just to kind of fill some shoes. And uh, the, I, I think that aspect was poorly handled. Um, but I think, like I said, I think they're playing at real white glove treatment here because they want to keep him long-term. I, I do think the Bengals also have probably learned their lesson from losing an Andrew Whitworth and valuable guys at the end of their careers that they probably should have hung on to. And uh, it's not only hurt the team from an on-field perspective, but you know it's lost fans. Today, you'll read about it on cincyjungle.com. Today, the Bengals have set a record for low attendance. And if you saw that game today, there was no way there. Um, so uh, these are the types of things that, you know, you lose, if you lose out on an AJ Green, let him walk. You, you lost Andrew Whitworth, one of your most well-liked and productive players. Um, in, in recent memory, you let him go. These are the types of decisions that turn fans off and, and lead to these attendance things. So, you know, I think I think for now, them playing the white glove treat, treatment with AJ Green, it's frustrating. I want to see him out there too, but if it leads to better long term things, and it leads to twenty, you know, him coming in in twenty twenty being healthy, helping either the new quarterback Andy Dalton, whoever, because they rested him this year and didn't force him to get another procedure late in twenty nineteen or in early twenty twenty. Um, that's that's what you want. That's what you want. Anyway, uh, Zabu Goosefraba says, Now, Anthony, that's funny. I don't know what what I said that's funny, but I'm a funny guy, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We're going to get out of here. The Bengals win. They beat the Jets in week 13, 22-6 dominating fashion. Uh, They do not lose any draft positioning either. They still hold as of Sunday afternoon, they hold the number one overall pick with their one and 11 record. The Giants are right behind them at two and 10. Then you have both the Redskins and the Dolphins with three and nine records. Believe it or not, the Redskins are still mathematically alive in the NFC East, if you can believe that one uh, with a three and nine record. But Go figure, uh, but those are kind of the, that's the kind of the top four, and Cincinnati still sits uh, at number one overall, even though they've got that one uh, that one win today. This has been uh, a live post game breakdown, courtesy of CincyJungle.com on its Facebook page and the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. Get the Orange and Black Insider podcast along with others that are part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone. It's on iHeartRadio. I mentioned our YouTube channel, and all the stuff is on CincyJungle.com. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be talking to you this week, breaking down prospects and talking all things Bengals uh, coming up here this week. So check it out. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for news, opinions, analysis, everything else. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, especially now that the Bengals no longer have a goose egg in the wind column. See ya.